Welcome to the Gem Series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The Gem Series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results, and discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face. Investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day, and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that. My name is Blake Chapman. I'm the Vice President of the Ambassador Program here at Rocket Level, and I am thrilled to be your host for the Gem Series. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gem Series. Today, I am pleased to welcome a special guest, Jean Amlor. Jean, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Blake? I am doing quite well. Thank you. Thanks for hopping on. I've been uh, listening to a lot of your podcasts and, uh, you know, just seeing you on literally like every channel. So I'm really excited to get to have this conversation today. Um, For our guests that don't know a ton about you, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. So I've been a nurse. Um, I'm a business coach and strategist and also an executive leadership coach with servant leadership, which I care a lot about actually. And I got online four years ago because I was in deep debt. I'm a single mom, solo parent. I like calling it solo parent of two, two daughters. I had gotten myself into, um, pretty deep debt after a, a transition. And I realized that things were not going to get any better in the local area because I was really good at the whole networking thing and teaching people that I thought, you know, I really need to get online and learn all this. So I woke up one morning and I thought I really need to get online. I just need to do this. And, you know, climbing that mountain's a big one when you don't know anything about social media or tech. I didn't even know how to use Zoom. That's how not techie I was. And I thought, okay, I got to do this. I just have to do this because, you know, the debt was getting deeper. You know, I have two daughters. I want to model that, that, you know, we can do this. We can do this thing, you know? So there was all that life stuff as well. And also just the thought, you know, is this what I was supposed to do? It's just be mediocre. You know, that wasn't an option. So I thought, you know, got to do it. Got online. I plucked down 10 K for a pretty inferior coaching program that was teaching Facebook ads actually. And I was like, okay, I can't really be doing Facebook ads. And they knew that. Why am I in here? They said, well, you should do something called organic marketing. And I said, well, like carrots. And they said, nope, not like carrots, like social media learning. Habit. Nope. And I said, well, where are the trainings on that? And they said, oh, there are no trainings. You just need to go figure that out. And I said, okay, I will. So that was the coaching, go figure that out. <laughs> and I did. And I cracked the code on organic marketing. I think I know other people are doing, but I cracked my code. And my code is how to do it very simply with not a lot of tech, with, you know, just going out there and and learning how to, you know, communicate with people as you would do in real life. And, And also authority building, but not like paying, you know, branding companies $20,000 to get great branding shots where there's nothing behind it, you know? So it's really about your authority is you and what you're saying unapologetically online that attracts people. And so I built this to a million dollars in 17 months with no ads. And I didn't have an assistant. I had like a person that came in and did three hours a day. I was doing everything. Some people would say, who's your executive assistant? I thought, oh, me, who does your content? Me, who's your sales? Me, who's doing that? Me, who's (laughs) me, everything me, but I did it. And I think it was inspiring for a lot of people that you could even get to a million and my, my profits were insane because it was all me. And then I had a mindset coach, but that was it. Okay. 
And I proved to people, and I, I'm a mom with two kids driving them all over the place, like, you know, attachment parent. You can do this thing. And I, I think all the excuses fell by the wayside when people heard that I did that. So that was what I wanted to inspire. Now we're at about 3 million. I have a team now. We have a bunch of coaches. It's, you know, it's a different animal. However, I'm still very, 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 very accessible. And I coach my clients still. You know, and I got to say, when, we've been talking even offline and I've just been loving everything that you're about. I can tell that you're, you know, there's types of people in this world that uh, just won't let themselves fail. So I, uh, I, I see that in, uh, you know, you in the short amount of time that we've been talking so far. And that's such an incredible story. It's funny. We've actually had a, uh, a farmer on this podcast before. So maybe that's the original organic marketing, right? <laughs> Which is <laughs> selling some of those, uh, the carrots and produce to different people out there. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta wonder, you know, growing up, have you always had this same kind of mindset or what was growing up like for you? That's a really interesting question because I truly believe that you can develop into anything you want. If it's not something that is like, I can't develop being a top model unless it was, you know, a top model that's a 50 something year old top model, then I could. But I mean, I, I can't develop myself into being a top basketball player. That's not going to happen. It just won't. I can't now develop myself into, because there's certain age and body type constraints that go with everybody. Okay. So I'm not saying anyone can do anything. I think that is just not correct. We can't. We don't, some of us don't have a capacity for rocket science. So if I don't have a capacity that I could even get good at that, it would be a ridiculous statement to say, oh, you can do whatever you want. So I think that's a disservice saying to people, you can do whatever you want. It's not true because certain things are just physical or, you know, they, they just don't have that kind of way of thinking. However, I will say, because I've thought a lot about that statement because it's true and not true. Okay. It's true that you can do whatever you want, that you can actually conceive of, conceived of trying to be a rocket scientist. Because I just know that's not, I can't, you know, it's not my pathway and I'm not talented enough for that or have that kind of capability. However, we can do so much more than we imagine we can do if we just say, I can do it. So now when I was growing up, I was a very introverted child, extremely introverted. Okay. But when I look back at how I was, and I wasn't a perfectionist when I was growing up at all. I became a perfectionist way later. I was sloppy, actually. I was not a perfectionist at all. In fact, this is really funny, and I'm going to be really vulnerable here. In college, I studied design. I, I was talented at the design because I'm artistically talented. Um, and I was a fashion designer and, and, you know, I won awards and different things and in college, the, the lecturers would be like, wow, you are just like so talented. But one called me over and she goes, you got to stop being so sloppy. Okay. So I was not a perfectionist. The perfectionist and that perfectionism happened later. She was like, this is not even good enough. And I'm like, okay, I thought, I just thought I'd, so I had a talent then of not being a perfectionist. However, with something like design, you really need to become. And then, of course, I developed. It was more like idea stuff. So that was interesting because later on, I became like out of lack of confidence. After college, I became a, a perfectionist. I was perfectionist in certain ways, but not in others. So for something like design work, it has to be perfect. 
It has to be perfect because you're presenting stuff. So then I became a perfectionist at making that perfect. But growing up, I was a complete introvert. I, I, I was ambitious, but I was more Zen. I was, uh, I would daydream a lot and, you know, I was very artistic and daydreamy. I would spend day and maybe that's a good thing. I would just think my mother would say, there you are in your own little world. Like, and I'd just be going off and imagining stuff. I think that's a good thing to be as a kid. Okay. But I was definitely not one of these driven kids as I'm going to be this and I'm going to do that. That was not it at all. However, I remember, and I thought this was extraordinary later on that I never, ever once dreamt of being married as a child. I never played housewives or having children. I didn't really play with a lot of dolls even. Like we just had dolls in the house, but I wasn't that person that carried our dolly around. So it's interesting that that was always there. And I did end up getting married like very late because I was really into my careers and, and doing and creating stuff. So was I driven as a child? No, I was not. I liked playing and, you know, and drawing and, and doing different things. I liked creating, but I wasn't driven sure. to be like, I've got to be something, you know? So that, that was later out of, I think, necessity. And then I was an actress for the longest time. And so you just sort of like on this thing of like, just, you know, please choose me, sir, you know, choose me. And I think that that's not healthy, that you're, you're waiting around for other mm -hmm. people to choose you. So it was later, later I became and very, very driven. That's so fascinating to me. Um, just in that I relate to that a lot too. You know, I've always been, uh, I, I grew up same, same kind of thing was extremely introverted and uh, I, my parents divorced and it brought me out of my shell. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start figuring out things for myself. Uh, was always creative, but constantly was getting that uh, kind of like, oh my gosh, you are so disorganized <laughs> or uh, sloppy or anything like that. And it's, it's really interesting because we, I think it's a gift that we get to be so many different versions of ourselves in life. And the thing that happens is you have to choose to see that mm -hmm. as a gift. And, uh, and to welcome, welcome change, uh, into your life. Otherwise it's kind of hard. How did it feel like whenever, cause it sounds like you remember that moment when your teacher was like, Hey, uh, things are sloppy here. We got to tighten it up. How did, yeah. How did you feel in the moment when you received that feedback? Awful. I remember thinking, Oh, she's right. This is, and she showed me, she goes, look, every, look at everybody else's. <laughs> Look at yours. It was the very first, actually, it was the very first studio project we had at that college. And, and I thought she's right. So I, I, I just, I, I, well, no, see, the thing is, if somebody says that I'm going to fix it right away. So I did. If somebody says, this is not what it's supposed to be. That's my, I thought I'm fixing this right away. And I did. She goes, okay. She said, wow, night and day. Cause she, I'm very coachable. I'm very coachable. So I didn't go, oh, no, I don't want to do it. I said, I get it. Got it. Next time it won't be like that. It was perfect. She went, oh, wow. Okay. Night and day. You just, I just needed to be told. Um, but regarding what you said is so fascinating. And nobody talks about this on podcasts. I'm so glad you brought that up. I am known with my friends as being the person that has reinvented herself more than anybody else they know. Hands down. They said, it is unbelievable that you go to this next role. And, and it, it, there's something about me that I like change. And I'm not afraid to change. And actually, I, I don't, you probably don't know this. 
I, I moved to different countries on my own and I was thrilled that I'd moved to a country and, oh, I don't know anybody. Let's see who I can meet. And everybody, my friends would be like, how can you do that? We are just so attached and we'd be worried. And I'm like, nope, I'm fine. I'll meet some new people. I am, I have a heart of an adventurer, really. Um, and then of course, you can't be, I'm still adventurous, but I can only do certain things because I have children, but they come on my adventures, you know? And my, my daughter, one day I said, uh, she was having her piano lesson. So I haven't changed. You know? And she says, she's doing her piano lesson and I'm in the background Florida yet. I'm, I moved to Florida, but we were just, I thought I've never really been to Florida. It was last January. Okay. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go to Florida. And it was really snowy where we were living. And I thought, I just want to go. It's a little warmer than it is here. So I went online and I, I, I called up the hotel and I said, what's the weather like? And she goes, right now. I said, tell me what the weather is like right now. The hotel I was going to stay in. It was in Pensacola. She goes, well, I said, can we swim? She goes, well, if you, you might don't mind swimming in the cold. I said, we don't mind. So I packed her baggage. She'd gotten from, from school. I packed her baggage, everything mine while she was having her piano lesson. Okay. Everything was ready get anything ready. All the, everything was ready, you know, and we were just going to go for like four days, like over the weekend or whatever. Okay. And she, she's doing a piano and she's like chatting. I said, Oh, it was an online piano lesson. And I said to the teacher, I said, Hey, uh, Karina, just a minute. We have to go now. We're, we're going. And my daughter's like, what do you mean? I said, go get your, said, go, go put your shoes on. We're going to Florida. And she just went, and she said, mom, that is so exciting about you. I don't know what we're doing. And then I finished and we're going to Florida. So she, my kids find that exciting that they never know what's going to happen sometimes. And she was like, we're going to Florida. Yay. You know, and I said, and you're going to get a day off school. And she was like, oh, even better. You know, so, cause I'd said, Hey, I told the school we're going to take a day off, blah, blah, blah. So, so I still haven't, I like the spontaneity of things. However, of course, with a business, you can't always be sponta spontaneous, but that has not changed. I, I like to have some of that in my life instead of everything being planned. But, but as far as like changing and I, I welcome new things, I, I'm always excited for that new adventure. And it's not always about completely stopping what you're doing. It's integrating a new thing sometimes. Sometimes it is completely changing what you're doing in my life. It's been complete pivots. You know, sometimes, and that's the thing, right? I, I've been learning because I think it's it's so important to be receptive to that kind of change, to to see how your brain can expand throughout life. But sometimes, what I've realized in business is, you know, for for example, whenever somebody is uh, building out a program, what they do is they keep adding on new things, right, and keep building and building. And then when something breaks, they say, "Hey, restore it back to the version we know worked." And then let's start slowly again. And that's the thing that I always am like telling people is don't ever, yeah, don't forget your foundation either. It doesn't mean that you have to have to uh, totally reinvent the wheel every single time or anything like that, because you should have confidence in yourself that there's always something that did work, you know, um, and then you can be able to reiterate because guess what? You can try things as many times as you want and you're, you're never, never starting from scratch. That's like a, I think that's like a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that's like the best mindset to, to, to keep necessarily. I was, I was thinking about something else you said too. I mean, you work with so many different personalities and different types of people out there. I was kind of curious, do they ever talk about some of the like negative feedback that they get and, and how do you tell them? Cause sometimes there's feedback that you should accept. And sometimes there's feedback that you should maybe be like, 
I don't think that's worth my time. How do you, how, do you have any advice for people on how to, how to, you know, how to filter through that stuff? Yes, I do. Now, obviously I've hired a lot of people and I've coached a lot of people in my life and I've worked for a lot of people and we actually do do a very small personality analysis of my clients. Just so I see, because I was an actress for many, many years. I, I was an executive recruiter hiring the top people on Wall Street. Also, that was another you know thing I did. And also I'm very, very interested in personality and how to you know, kind of tailor make it. Because if I see something happening in the coaching and I have this report on the personality, I'm like, oh, that's because he needs to be told this in a certain way. And, and I, one of my clients had the most rare personality ever. It was the rarest one. And I had to change how I was coaching him. And when I did, he got results. Cause I thought, okay, I get it. Ah, that I've got to, he's not taking that delivery like everybody else or most people. Now regarding feedback, we have to see always, and I used to be also a filmmaker and we used to have this thing with scripts that people would say, sure, all, you know, you want me to, to critique your script. And we'd be like, uh Oh, and we always said amongst ourselves, you have to always look at the person that's critiquing it. Where's that coming from? Is it coming from a point of I'm your peer and I'm going to try to knock you down or a point of they really don't know how to write scripts or a valid point of view. And so, because screenwriters are very, very sensitive about their scripts. Okay. It's like the baby. So, so, you know, and, and you know, any kind of criticism, no matter what people say hurts, any kind of criticism will, will certain personalities, because most people, all they want to hear is how great they are. Nobody wants to hear you're not great and this needs work. So there is a way of giving criticism, first of all, that people should develop, which is honest feedback, but with compassion. So, you know, a buffer, look, you know, all of this is really great, but there's just one thing that maybe you could tweak a bit. Now that's better than, oh, this is really awful. Oh, and then by the way, the rest of it was good, right? So there's a way... And there's also a way of giving feedback where you're not babying people or taking their power away. Not that anybody can really do that, but you can upset people. Also, there's a way of doing it where you're not, are not encouraging learned helplessness. Because when you encourage learned helplessness, you are not helping people. When, when you're encouraging learned helplessness and I can't do that, my whole motto is I can do this. I can do this. And I had a big, you know, guts and borglum that, that, that did Mount Everest. No, no, Mount Rushmore. I mean, Mount Rushmore. Gutson Borglum was the, the guy that had the idea and he managed all that. He had a big sign everywhere. The I can'ts don't exist That's in this project. The I can'ts. And I, I, you can get that at Mount Rushmore. And I bought that and I had it on my wall for a long time. The I can'ts don't exist. As soon as you say, I can't, I will say to a client, okay, I know you feel you can't. I hear that. I understand that. So if you could, what would that look like? So that's different from, oh, yeah, you can. It's if, okay, I understand. I understand how you're feeling. I get your point of view. I totally get it. Now, if you could, what would that look like? I go, well, if I could, I'd do this. And I go, okay, go do that. <laughs> it's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like when you know you, you want something from an airline and they go, oh, we can't do that. You go, I understand. I get it. Okay, I understand. I hear you. Now, if you could, what would that look like? And they sometimes tell you what they would do. And I go, okay, can you go do that now, please? And they go, oh, because they just basically sort of solve the problem right in front of your eyes. That's a trick that I use, actually, is 
You, okay, I get it. Now, if you, if we could sort it out and it weren't completely impossible, right? We can get man to the moon, but we can't get Jean to, you know, LA, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? And whenever that happens, I would say, I understand. I understand. Now, if we could do this, if you could make this happen, what would that look like? And they go, well, we would have to do this and this. I said, let's do that then. Oops. Okay. It's hilarious. <laughs> you should try that sometime. No, that's incredible. And I think it goes back to the idea that in most cases, just simply telling people what to do, it's unfortunate, but Sometimes people, even if you just tell, if you gave people a step-by-step guide, they wouldn't figure it out because what it lacks is it lacks the essence of uh, how that person operates and takes that into consideration. Sometimes I can see, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's genius. Yeah. You just, uh, you're like, I get that you can't do it, but let's just pretend that you're in uh, one yes. of the alternate universes where you could, <laughs> what would you, how would, how would that, how would that version of you do that? You know, and uh, yeah. it gets some real critical thinking happening. I think that's wonderful. You do. They also realize you're not going to take no for an answer and you're going to stand there until we figure something out. Now, I've gotten myself when flights have been delayed and they're like, oh, you're going to wait. I go to the thing and I say, okay, I love, I, I get it. Now, if we could get us there earlier, how would that happen? Well, I don't know. Well, let's just think, is there any, and I ask four or five times. And finally, guess what? They get us on a, a flight that's like hours earlier because- the answer was no, right? The answer was no. It's like kids. Kids do that all the time. Mom, can I do this? No. Well, what if we could? And then they start their negotiation, right? Kids don't take no for an answer. They're master negotiators. So yeah, it's very interesting. But as far as, um, yeah, I think people, first of all, we need to understand that people's opinions really cannot hurt us. They can't. We're letting them hurt us because we're human and it matters. And I have all sorts of, I have a whole strategy in my program of how to, to actually get, get to neutralize these emotions in five minutes because it's so important. You, you actually hit the nail on the head. It is so important to be able to operate that people neutralize their emotions because the only thing in our way is emotions. Oh, I have a fear of missing out. That's an emotion. I don't think I'm going to work. Procrastination. Procrastination is fear. It's just fear. So if we get past the fear, what is the fear? And in your body. So if we get past and we neutralize the feeling that the emotion is creating in our body, because I'm not just a business coach. I understand all of that, that you can't just say to somebody, go do it. Oh, I can't do it. Okay. Why not? Oh, I get it. It's your emotions getting in the way. How do we help you? I'm not a therapist, by the way. I must say that all over social media, we are not therapists. Okay. <laughs> However, I figured out some mindset tweaks and my clients are like, wow, I was at a 10 of anxiety and fear. Now I'm at a zero in five minutes. Great. Now can you go do it? Yes, I can. Now I can go do that, Sean. Great. Because we're looking at why they can't do the work sometimes. It's not that they're incapable. It's because they've got some emotions standing in their way. That's why. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's such an important thing for people to reflect on. Uh, and sometimes it takes people years and years and years of, you know, they get to their deathbed and they still haven't dealt with these emotions. It's it's really cool hearing all of your different jobs that you've had too. that kind of informed all these, you know, hearing you talked about like the way that people give you notes on a script and, and how oh, you know, that can inform your constructive criticism process. Yes, it was an executive recruiter. And I, 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 even after I was married, I got some, 
I kind of got married and didn't really work because I got married very late. And, and so I wanted to really spend time with my, my kids because when you're older and you have kids, they're, they're called, they're, look, I, I think all pregnancies are precious, but they're actually <clears throat> in the, in the medical field, they're called precious pregnancies. Okay. Because it's so much harder to have kids after you're 40. Right. So, cause I got married at 40 and I had my first, first kid at 42, my last one at 45. So that's why people think I'm a lot younger because my kids are younger also. But the point is that I, I was doing some, um, I was doing, I was consultant. So I would do consultancies, but that was the last job I ever had was many years ago. I've not had a job in a long time. But then after I got on, before I decided to actually even be a coach, I actually had a kid's blog and it was getting pretty well known, but it wasn't enough to live off, but it was fun and it was experience and it got me writing at least yes. content. Yes. And I was every day I wrote, like it was just constant and people loved it. Cause you know, I was a designer, so I had a sense of what looked good. And they said, wow, we love your blog. So, and we got a lot of, we got a lot of free designer clothes for my kids from that. <laughs> <laughs> I got some perk and a bit of, a bit of, um, you know, and I met people and it got me out there, which was great because I hadn't been out in a while, you know, and that was great. But the last job was executive recruiting. Yes. Wonderful. And what was, uh, yeah, what was kind of the, was there a tipping point for you where you decided, Hey, I'm kind of, you know, were you, were you just totally disenchanted with it? Or did you see a clear vision ahead of what you, what needed to happen or? Oh, no, it wasn't that actually, I'm going to go way back in nine 11. A lot of the recruiting firms went under after nine 11. And actually the one that I worked for also, you know, didn't go under right away, but they had to get rid of most everybody. So that was why I was called in as a consultant because they would, I was a sharpshooter. They'd call me in and say, Hey, we can't get this person. You know, we just want to pay for the consulting, which was, you know, good for me. You know, I was also an actress. So I was at that point, I thought, you know, I'm just going to live off my acting. And I was on, I was an extra in a bunch of films and television shows. And, you know, I thought I'm just going to make this work. And I thought, well, I was making it work badly because I wasn't making enough money. So then I was doing more consulting, but, um, no, it wasn't that I was doing that while I was doing other things. I never worked full time. I had an agreement that I would only work three days a week and they let me because I wanted to continue to do my acting and make films. And they said, sure, you're so good. So you see, I learned early on, you can negotiate whatever you want. I was the only person at that firm that worked three days a week. Nobody else did that because I negotiated. I said, I still, and they said, we get it. You know, and actually I learned a lot from there about sales. You learn along the way. And I felt like coaching because I used to coach actors. So I was coaching actors. I was directing actors. So I was coaching people. I used to teach English in France. That's coaching. So I was doing all these things. So that all, and then the blog, well, I knew how to write content. Okay. But it was very different. It was kids stuff and, you know, reviewing fashion brands, but all of that and also being on camera. I know how to be on camera. However, I must say getting online and talking into a camera as a coach, I, I, I cause I'm an introvert. It's not acting. It took me a while to do that because, uh, you know, even now when I get on camera, I'm a little bit nervous cause that's what introverts do. But the more you do it, I'm like, wait a minute, this is not acting. I'm not hiding behind a character. It's me. That's harder, you know, but when I did my coaching, I was planning events and I was doing public speaking. So all the public speaking, the event planning, the recruiting, the design, all of that helped me be a coach online. The sum of all parts kind of got to a point where it reveals itself and you're like, oh, 
turns out I might actually, I might be pretty good at this, you know? Um, and, and I, you know, you, you obviously are, I, you've built this business, uh, to be a multi-million dollar business and uh, congratulations on that. I think that's, uh, that's, that's just incredible. You know, for me, what I see is, uh, a lot of times there's a lot of people that are holding themselves back, uh, and, and not wanting to, you know, take that leap. But then recently over the last couple of years, I mean, have you, you know, there's the great resignation happening. All these people are starting to really lean into their passions a little bit more and start formatting the kind of work style, even like you talked about where you're working multiple different jobs and creating the work life that you kind of would like. What, what do you think that, what do you think that's happened over the last, do you think that it's just the pandemic that, that did it? Or what do you think? I do. Yeah. I, I, I do. I think that people were able to stay home and, and, you know, fix, I don't know if you know this, but roofers made a lot of money during COVID because everybody was redoing their garage. Oh yeah. All the men finally were redoing the garage, which they, they were at home and they couldn't do it before. And it was really huge market was to, to redo garages, the roof. Yeah. I don't know if you know that it was a big market. You probably do know home services, right? Yeah. So, so the thing is, the funny thing is I've realized a lot of things about my life later on. And I was probably one of the first people to say, I want to create the life I want by creating that because nobody did that then. Nobody was daring enough to say, I only want to work three days a week at what is really an executive job, you know? And they're like, yep, sure. So I learned early on, I was not going to sacrifice what I wanted to do, right? Now I love my job and I don't, you know, I, I might do some artistic stuff and I paint here and there and maybe I'm going to, but I, this, this worked so well. And I was so passionate about this working and helping people that I was thrilled. I was like, this is it. I'm helping people. I'm a mom still, you know, and it's working. I'm helping and they're making money. And I'm, I'm, you know, creating content, which is fun for me actually, and creating this, all this stuff. And I'm being the teacher that I want to be because I am a coach and teacher naturally. So I was like, this just, this just checks all the boxes for me. Now, do I want to do other artistic stuff? Sure. Uh, I might even make another film at some point, but not right now. I, I do. I'm thinking, you know, maybe I should get, I sing too. Maybe I should, you know, so at some point I'm going to be like, yeah, I want to get more into my painting again or blah, blah, blah. But the, the fact is I was already that person where I am not. And that's why I was not going for the money for so many years because I was quite happy being a penniless actress. I wasn't happy that I wasn't getting the work I didn't want, but I was happy being, you know, this crunchy person that was artistic and I'd hang out with my other artist friends and talk about philosophy and art. And I loved that. And also that fed me too. And that made me a big part of who I am now that I did not go out there in the world as a, and I traveled a lot. I lived in a lot of different countries and I'm really into other cultures. And that taught me a lot too, because working in and talking to different cultures and you learn a lot about communication, about communicating with anyone. So that's kind of helped me a lot with the communicating online, but what was I saying? I digress. So, um, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I went backpacking and gave all my clothes away and decided to go traveling. I thought this is, I want to explore the world. So I don't regret that because I feel that if I had been like everybody else and just went straight for the you know, money and, and this and that, it wouldn't have, I would have been very, you know, unfulfilled, but now I can look back at all those memories and go, wow, that's really good. I did that then. Cause I don't have those regrets like other people that they just started working and just you know, earning the money. And that was all they really were focusing on. And then, gee, I never traveled. 
I never did this. I've had incredible experiences that I will never forget that I would not swap for any amount of money. I think that's uh, I, such a helpful perspective for people to take into consideration too, whenever they're like, you know, if they do have those pending, uh, those pending items in their brain, it's probably good to, to answer the question. You know, I mean, you and I, at the beginning, we were even just talking about, you mentioned that your dad was the one who taught you that you should really uh, seize the opportunity when it arises and knock something out whenever it comes up. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's so powerful for, for people to, to be able to get to, to happiness. Cause it's not even about just making uh, I mean, it's great. We obviously need, we live in a world where we need money. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but a lot of it's about figuring out how to, uh, you know, get to that, get to that point where you can reflect on yourself and be, feel that pride and fulfillment and uh, move yourself forward. So. Right. I mean, it's great traveling and all, but you know, I can't even travel for a long time because I, what makes human beings more happy than any other thing is to achieve stuff. That's what they figured out. Achievement is what makes people feel happy. That's why it's so great when you work on this project and then it works, that's happiness. You know, that's it. But um, also I was going to say something from all of that experience. Well, the thing is that I think what people do too much is they wait till they're somebody and you are already somebody, you're you, you're you at that moment. So this thing of waiting until this, this personality emerges, that is, and I used to explain this actually it was on my website at one point is copy. People loved it. We're on a fence. Okay. We're on a fence because I used to be a life coach and there's one path on the left of the fence. Like imagine a country fence and there's two dirt paths. Okay. One or, or two grass paths. Okay. There's one on the left and that's where you're, you're right now. You're in this life and that's just reality. And then across the fence, that's the life running parallel that you really want to be living in. Okay. And the way I explained it was that I help people jump the fence because it's an alter reality that we actually see it. We, we all see that I was living like that. Like that's that life I want right over there. It's right there. I know what it is, but I'm living here and I can't wait. I can't actually just wait for that to happen. I need to actually take action to jump over the fence, to be on that pathway, to get in that pathway. And what happens with people is they're in a path and they know that, that they just keep going down that path. Nothing's going to change, but they can't do the catalyst of jumping the fence to actually make that change because they're too scared. So then they live in hope that somehow their life is just going to get better and all work out. You know what I know about life and things working out? They just don't do that by accident. They just don't. I had a friend that used to say, oh, it's all going to work itself out. I said, are you kidding me? Nothing works itself out. Like never, never. Now, if they do, you're one of those talented people. I was just thinking last night, I am that person, very little of how I have had success has been from luck. In fact, I've had bad luck. Okay. One of my sisters used to tell me, you have such bad luck. I'm like, stop saying that. But it, it wasn't like, gee, you were lucky. It was like, gee, you worked this so hard and tested and, you know, a lot of losses and you still made it. That was it. It was no, hardly any luck. I'd say I had no luck. You maybe get a little bit of luck here and there. I didn't have a break. I didn't have anybody discovering me. I didn't have anybody choosing me. I created this. I didn't do it on my own because there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. 
I did it with the help of my team and the people that hire me and some coaches. And, you know, there is some help, right? There's some help. So a number of you have probably seen the words rocket level (laughs) thrown around a little bit here and there. And I wanted to take a moment just to explain what that is. So the gym series comes from rocket level, uh, who is somebody that I work with directly And Rocket Level is a marketing technology company that specializes in meeting the unique needs of small and medium-sized businesses. So over the years, through strategic collaborations with national brands, franchise groups, and local partners, Rocket Level has become a trusted ally for SMBs operating in the market. And right now, Rocket Level's primary focus is to provide a comprehensive range of marketing solutions for SMBs including website development, SEO, paid ads, email marketing, social media management, and just about anything you can think of. By offering a done-for-you approach, Rocket Level takes care of all aspects of digital marketing, allowing SMBs to focus on their core business operations. I know that everybody talks about this all the time. It's so hard to focus on the fulfillment side of things and been an absolute honor getting to partner with Rocket Level throughout the years and be able to see them provide a solution for people that maybe don't have the talent right now, maybe don't have the time and maybe don't have the playbook or the tools available. It truly is buttoned up in such a way that you can give somebody your high level objectives and get this stuff knocked out. So if you're curious, you should definitely, definitely give us a shout. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I kind of, I guess half jokingly say that my, uh, my, I think one of my greatest attributes is that I am willing to, uh, suck at something for as long as I need to, until I, uh, until I get there. And I'm, I'm a little bit stubborn in in that way, because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is you go through life, hanging up a picture, you go to, you go to hang up your picture and guess what? You're out of nails uh, your drywall won't even accommodate it. It takes uh, something that seems like it'd be a two second ordeal turns into uh, five seconds. So everything takes like, uh, you know, it takes significantly longer than you'd ever expect. What was your kind of jumping the fence? Did you ever have a moment where you're like, oh, I think I'm jumping the fence right now? You know? Oh, I'm 100%. I'll tell you something. The other thing, like I, I'm a thrill seeker. I don't, I'm a thrill seeker and I, I've analyzed, I analyze a lot of things, but I've analyzed that if people are continually seeking thrills, that is an emptiness. Then they're trying to fill a hole. Okay. So I don't continually look for thrill seeking. However, I do like thrills. Okay. <laughs> I like the adrenaline kick. All right. However, I'm not addicted to it, but I like it. All right. And the thing is this, what I understood when I first became a coach, I had no money. I was just trying to figure this out and take care of a one-year-old and a four-year-old in New York City. Like that was hard. I didn't have any money coming in. It was like, oh my, it was under duress. Like I got to do something. Okay. I started the blog. It wasn't bringing a lot in. I thought, you know, I really need to, what's my career here? Well, I want to stay with my kids because I'm an attachment parent. I'm not going to go get a J-O-B because you know, in New York, once you get the J-O-B and the nanny, you're not making it. And then you don't see your children. But what do I do? What do I do? I thought, okay, I got to do something that I can do. I thought, okay, what is that? But wait a minute life coaching. I always wanted to be a life coach because I've been thinking about it for years, but I thought I can't be a life coach when my life is not, is like not an empowered one. So once it became empowered, even though I was broke, I was still empowered because I was on my own terms. And that, that was empowerment to me. I got, now I can coach people because I'm not living a lie. I'm not living something that's not real. And that's why I can never coach people before but now I can coach people, but I was scared to death. Oh my goodness. When I got my first coach, 
I paid her like, I think 8K. And she gave me a discount because she was like, you have no money at all. I said, I, I need to figure this out because I just gotten certified as a life coach. And I did it in my pajamas online because I was with my kids all the time. And then she said, she said, you're going to, and it was offline coaching. So it was just, you know, getting, it was a hard way to get clients actually. It was the old way. So I kind of wish I'd gotten online first and that, that I'd had a, you know, a coach that was online at the beginning because I'd be a multi-billionaire by now, but that's okay. And I would have not gone through a lot of pain too, but maybe I was meant to go through the pain. Who knows? I, I feel like it was a necessary myself, of course, you know, with what I was going through, but we always think that. But anyway, maybe I was developing, developing even more grit, you know, because we are developing certain things and even, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So maybe I'm even stronger now. And I know all that. After coaching me for a while, I did exactly what she said and, and it was all on credit cards, you know, so it's like more credit card debt. And I, I managed to sort of like, you know, get, get at least ROI from it and not be in the red. And she said, oh gosh, she said, I have never coached anyone in my entire career of 10 years that was so scared to death as you. She said, I could feel the fear. And she goes, and I know why, you know, single mom, two kids, New York, no money, starting a new, a new career at, you know, this is 12 years ago. So I was already what? 44. Wow. I was young. <laughs> no, 40. I was 46 actually. So, and she said, I, I said, of course, this has to work. This has to work or we will what are we doing? You know? So she said she was so affected. It affected her. She said, I've never, she goes yet. She said, yet, unbelievably, you always took action. She goes, I learned something from you. She goes, I, I felt like you coached me. She said, you were paralyzed almost. You're back against the wall and you still took the steps with this intense, extreme amount of fear. She said, I have never experienced that ever in my life from a client. Because usually they're just, oh, I'm so scared. I'm not going to do the work. And I said, I had no choice. She goes, I see that. And then of course it starts to work and the fears dissipate because, you know, it, it's like, you know, you're, you're taking off on a, with a plane and the plane has all these fears like laden and the wings are just like, you can barely take off. If you do take off with all those fears dragging you down, you, when you start flying, the fears just flit off. They peel off. And that's kind of what happened. And so I am a big proponent of no matter what you're feeling, the remedy is always take a step, no matter what. And that's from experience. That's so powerful. Yeah. Being, uh, especially just hearing that coach reflect back to you, like that had to have felt empowering in that moment too. Like, uh, yeah. you know, being like, wow, thank you for recognizing my bravery. Thank you for, you know, feeling, you know, being able to feel seen in that moment, uh, you, you know, it goes so, far, yeah, but you know, it was also, it was also kind of like, I was the weirdo. It was like, great, you know, but it's sort of, it was like, okay, I'm the freak, but okay. I'm glad I'm not mediocre, but I was also, I was still in the, I wasn't, the funny thing is when your back is against a wall and you really need to make things happen, your ego disappears. Like there's no ego. There, there is literally, you want to get rid of your ego, have your back against a wall. Because I remember feeling like I had no iota of energy to even think about my ego. It's like, my kids need to eat. This needs to happen. Sure, I'm scared to death. I'll do it anyway. Great. Thank you for that. I, what do I do next? That was literally how I was operating for years. And there's value in that because people too much go, they do one thing and they go, how am I doing? How am I doing? 
So it's always this looking back. They're this, and then they look back at themselves of self-reflection too soon. They should just be heads down, do the work, do the work, reps, test, look up a bit. Okay, great. Yep. Look a bit above. And that's not how people work. They work with ego nonstop, generally. Would you agree? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, uh, I, I see it all the time where, you know, talking to, to colleagues and folks that I'm working with where they're, you know, their, their entire, uh, sometimes, I mean, generally even your life view is dictated by, uh, like it kind of goes back to the emotions thing. If you let too much of that drive you, then, then what happens is you don't ever like have a moment where you're like, all right, I'm in, uh, you know, there's maybe a better way to put it. I'm in war mode right now. I'm just battling through, you right, know? And, right. Yes, that's what it is. It's like a general and you're exact. That's exactly how I felt. And there's something really cool about that because your focus is hyper focus. You're just like, I got to do this, got to do this. And, and you know, and then it's funny. I, I had made a million dollars and I didn't even notice. I literally had not noticed. And I didn't have a book, good bookkeeper then because the bookkeeper would have said, yeah, you know, and I went, wait a minute, how much have I made? And I went in, I started, I thought, oh my goodness, I hit a million a couple of months ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I didn't even realize it because, and that was cool to me because it wasn't to make a million. I never came online to make a million. It was just like, oh, wait a minute, hang on. Oh, I'm actually, I'm actually a million dollar coach now. Oh my goodness. I can use that in my marketing now. Good. I checked. Good. I checked. Right. And it's hilarious how that happened because that's not how people operate. And I think there's something to be learned by having your head down and being so in the process of things. And people don't stay in the process. They're in and out, in and out. Instead of I'm doing this, I'm doing this. This has to work. I'm on momentum. Keep the momentum. And I was just on this roll of momentum. And it's exciting. I love that because I'm an adrenaline junkie. Did I tell you that before? So now what I was going to say about that, I remember what I was going to say. My thing is you need to just jump not jump off a ledge and commit suicide. I mean, like you need to jump. And that scariness of jumping is like, <gasps> but then you know what happens? Something works. And like, okay, I did that scary jump and it worked. Okay. Now I'm a little less scared because my experience now as a human being in my brain is I took that huge risk and I leapt and it worked. Ah, now I'm a little less scared because now I have experience that I took that risk. Now I'm going to jump again. And the more you do this, the more you're training your brain that things do work. Now, some might not, but that's okay. I'm going to do a post soon about all the things that failed this year. I mean, so much loss of money on, on tests and because people need to see, yes, I'm doing well. But I started thinking, I thought, wait a minute, failure, 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 like many, many. And then these are the wins. Now, funnily enough, the failures have out, outweighed my wins this year. Okay. However, yep. I'm still winning. Absolutely. Does that make makes sense? sense. Yeah. So there, there's not an absolute, like our businesses are all wonderful. There's, there's just, you know, what's not going well, what's going well, weigh them up, going well, not going. And that is life. And the funny thing is whenever you take a moment to even take stock of your failures, like I, I had to reframe that in my mind a long time ago too, because I was like, look, I just need one little thing to work out and it'll be totally fine. And guess what? Out of those failures, it just helped me realize uh, the direction I needed to be heading in anyways. Or it taught me a lesson about myself that I could uh, I could grow from. Or, you know, now I kind of crave, I, uh, I, I look forward to these failures because 
it is it goes back to the process we were talking about, which is when you get into I would even call it like a flow state with working on business, right? It's a it's the point where you're not really so caught up in destinations or goals as much as you are about like, am I enjoying everything that I'm going into right now? And I'm am I focused and uh, you know just just pummeling through everything bit by bit. And then, you know, maybe every quarter, take a moment to have a brief retrospective on the, on what happened. But, uh, oh no, you need to, you need to track, I, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't tracking a lot then I was just like on a roll. However, I see the failures as tests. They're tests. And in a business, it's just one big series of tests. And if people could understand that, like Alan Weiss wrote that he was a big business consultant. He wrote many, many books. And that was one thing I took from his books was that business people, don't understand that everything is just one test and some tests work and some don't. It's not a failure actually, but I'm saying, what did we lost a lot of money in testing lots on, on other stuff. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. People would see that as failures. I see it that we had some things that didn't work, but then we had things that did work. But you know, if I didn't do those tests, I'm not giving myself a chance to get to the next level because if you don't do something different, you do plateau. And I don't want a plateau. So I'm always looking for the next test. And you have to invest money in that. You have to invest money in your next test. And this thing, you know, people, people see all this money people are making online. Those people are pumping so much money into ads and, and so many tests go on, you know, and some of them, you know, there, one guy that makes millions, he, he actually very, he said, my, my, he was my, my profits are only 45%. Like so much money goes in, you know? So you know, 45% is okay, but there's a lot of work going on to make that 45%. So. That's absolutely right. So, and you know, it's also the profits that you're making matter. 100%. And, you know, I know you talked about that moment where you look back a couple of months before and you saw 1 million. What was like the first moment where you, where you felt like, oh my gosh, I have something that is, uh, that's real and like, tangible and uh and 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 you got kind of excited about that do you do you have that memory well the first i mean obviously it was along the way because i, I did this program on the eighth week i was getting nothing i had to figure it all on the eighth week i had a fifteen thousand dollar week okay yeah that to me blew my mind because there were years in my coaching i made 10k in the whole year because stuff was going on distractions life distractions okay and so the fact that i made fifteen thousand dollars in one one week was mind blowing. It changed my whole money story. I thought this, see, that's what happens. Your brain then uh, normalizes. I help people to normalize numbers. We, we do a lot of work with that, my clients of normalizing numbers so that something that seemed impossible, it's just a number. So 15K in a week, it's like, wow. Okay, I can do that. That's amazing, celebrate it. Okay, now normalize it. So then the next month I made 30K. Well, that's pretty concrete, right? Tell people I'm 30K months. Three months after I got online, one, two, three months, right? Next month, I made 40K. Next month, it was 50K. And I kept going up, but then it sort of bottomed, you know, then it, it, you know, but I did get to my first 100K, I think, I think in about a year, the first 100K month, right? So that's why, you know, so, but no, I, I was just amazed the whole time that I was doing so well. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm doing so well and I'm helping other people. Now, this is something really interesting though, because I had so much hardship and I was a starving actress for years and I didn't have a lot of money and I really didn't care about money. I really did not care about money at all. People were like, you are so not materialistic. I'm like, I'm happy living in this little room, reading, having time for my art, 
I was happy. But you know, when you have kids, you have to start, you know, have a different mindset of providing for the family. That's when my mindset changed about money. But because I went through so much hardship in many different periods, because it was hardship, okay, hardship, okay, hardship. It wasn't like, you know, you know, up and down, life's up and down. I am so emotionally attached to helping people to thrive. That is what make, makes me a good coach with this because I'm so caring about my client's success and I want them to, to thrive and make money and be online and be happy. I'm so passionate about that. that that's what makes me good at this. Because there are other people that haven't been through their hardship that didn't get the emotional connection together for me to care so much that they don't go through what I went through for yeah. years. Absolutely. And you know, that's, uh, that's so, that's so true. It's, it's, uh, it's coming from a place of, Hey, look, I've actually been there. Not to say that everybody, you know, has to have the hardship, but it's, uh, it certainly, it certainly gives you perspective, uh, on what somebody else is experiencing whenever you've, uh, you've, you know, gone through it as well. Oh, hundred percent. When my, you know, when somebody says I'm, when somebody signs up for me and says I'm in a state of panic. I'm like, yep, I hear you. <laughs> they're like, you know, and they're like, I know you. It's not like I'm just saying that they, they know it. They go, I, I know, I know you do. I'm like, yep. So they also know I've been through that. So I'm not insensitive to that. And I created a hashtag and called hashtag unpanic. <laughs> that's great. One of my clients, we've got a hashtag unpanic here. And they're like, they're, there's, cause humor goes a long <laughs> way as well. Right. Humor. It really does. I, I try to use some humor because not everything's so serious all the time. I can be very serious, but humor actually gets people to learn better when you use humor. So I try to, you know, use humor with my clients and it, it works. Absolutely. And whenever something I was wanting to ask about too was I looked at some of your success stories out there and there are all these raving people out there. And uh, one person in particular, I think they were like, I don't know, they'd only been with you for a month or something and they already hit their 90K yes. uh, in a month. I mean, what, yeah, what's... She brought in a 91 cash Why? I, I never did that. What happens is because I dialed all, the process is dialed in now, my clients can get success quicker than I did because I was figuring it all out. And um, I was thrilled and she just did the work. She did the work and, and it was amazing. You know, miracles can happen. That can happen. And I, I love that that happened without ads. You know, they say, oh, do that. Yeah, but those people are usually running ads to get that. No, absolutely. And how, yeah, what was some of the stuff that you kind of instructed her? Because, I mean, I always say this, if whenever I'm looking for, uh, you know, a new hire or software, I'm like, you know what I want to hire? I want to, I want the playbook, you know? I want somebody who's been there, gone through it. And because uh, guess what? That just shortcuts your time to, to being able to get to the, the place that you're probably looking to get to. So, right. Yeah. Right. I won't hire a coach unless they've done what I need to do. They, you know, they can say, Hey, you know, and also if they're not a good coach, because it's not just about that, you know, I've come to the conclusion, there's so many coaches out there and they're all looking because a coach has told them, Oh, don't do that. You'll burn out. So then they're like watering down what their offer is. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Isn't it to serve? And not think about you burning out? And isn't it like to serve and work out how to do this at highest level without burning out? Instead of, like, I have a client that came in and he said, uh, I said, why is this? Because I help people with their offers. He says, why is this offer like so watered down? I literally said that. He went, oh, oh, because another coach said you're going to burn out, serve less. I was like, what? 
I said, well, that's a bad offer. So let's make it good. And we'll, we'll worry about getting your team members in so you don't burn out. He went, oh, that's a better approach, isn't it? It's a better approach to serve. And actually, there's a trend nowadays that people just want to charge as much as they possibly can and then serve as little as possible to scale as much as they can pop. If they can. Now that is the recipe, not for burnout, for people just being an, um, really annoyed at you and not ruining your, ruining your, your coaching business because you prioritized you making as much money as possible. Yeah. And you haven't prioritized actually getting results for your clients. The one thing should be passionate about getting results for your clients. That should be the number one, number one concern. And it's not the number one concern for many people because I've hired some of those people. <laughs> Of course, I would never say no, but hired a bunch of coaches and it's clear they really are not emotionally invested in my success at all. And I'm like, wait a minute, they're not emotionally invested in my success. Why am I here? They're just like churning. So this is a problem, but I'm going to tell coaches, if you're listening and service providers, because I coach service providers as well. If you are passionately and intimate, like really care about results, you're already in the top like 2% already. You're already going to win that game. Because all those people, eventually people are going to find out about them and they're going to just like fall to the wayside. They will. Because after many people are burnt, if word gets around, oh, I was burnt. You know, they didn't, they didn't care. And eventually they won't survive because that you can't last in this market without like really caring about your client's results. You just can't. Now what happened with, to answer your question, because I didn't tell you, what happened with that client, I said, how did this happen? I said, because I just wanted her point of view. I already knew, but I wanted her point of view because she, she went, number one, number one is entering your vortex is this amazing, nice, good vortex of being, she goes, just being in your vortex is a good vortex. She said, number two, she said, your, your leadership is insane. I think she meant that in a good way. Okay. Then she said, then you quickly figured out I wasn't serving my clients at a high level. Okay. Because she'd been coached and you said gently, well, you know, I really think that you should be serving your clients better. And this is how, what I would suggest. Cause I also help people with that. And she went, Oh, she's right. Immediately turned on a dime and pumped up her service. And her clients were like, wow, it's amazing. And the energy people saw that this change in not just like being that coach just trying to get clients and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So she pumped, she got to a point of her energy changed, like to alert, like I'm here serving my clients, did the work. And then she said, and she laughed. And I thought I knew all about organic marketing and clearly I didn't. So that was her feedback was that's, those things. And that's lovely. I, uh, I think that it's sometimes, you know, that, that little jolt to the system. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy once you start, cause I've certainly had my, my, I've had to learn about off days and on days and, and what that means and what does it mean to show up for somebody, um, in an attentive and truly caring way. And, uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's like night and day. It's magnetic when one, you can believe in yourself and two, you're just allowing yourself to kind of like what we talked about earlier, be true to who you are and let that pour out into the conversation. Um, Cause it's about, you know, you don't have to have every single answer necessarily, but I think it is essential to uh, be as authentic and let that pour through into the, into the client as possible and let them show I have, 
I want you to feel that I have infinite energy to take care of your problem, you know, yes. and, uh, yes. and, and it's pretty incredible. I, uh, I was also thinking about what you said and, and it, it used to shock me when I would hear, you know, talking to uh, a, a client about like, uh, gosh, you know, I had this person and, and I really do feel like, uh, you know, you're, you, cause I'm sure you've gotten the same thing where it's like, wow, it seems like you really actually like care. <laughs> care. You know, actually my clients come in and, you know, everybody now online is very scared. They're just like, oh, I've, I've been, you know, burnt and I've been this. And I'm like, well, you know, I just say to them, look, you don't know me. You don't have to trust me. I, I didn't know. I don't take it personally. And they go, it's not personal. I said, I'm not taking this personally. I just want to acknowledge, you know, you don't know me. However, however, you need help. And they're like, yes, I do. Okay. However, people have been so burnt by coaches that don't care that they come in and they go, wow, I was looking. One client came in and he said, I was looking for like the, the chink in the armor. I was looking for that point where I could see that you're a fake and you really don't care. And he said, I can't find it. Not to brag, but I'm proud of that. And I said, well, thank you. He said, no, I, I have watched you because, you know, he was a skeptic and came in very skeptical. And he said, I am blown away at how much you and your team serves. And it's immediate. Like you just serve. He said, I'm always looking for like, oh, there it is. They're not, they don't care. He said, I couldn't find the point where you don't care because you cared more than I did about my business. And he said, it made me feel ashamed that I said, that's my point. And I said to my clients last week, you guys need to care just as much as I care. Actually, my, my, I'm going to tell you something really personal. My daughters and I pray for my clients' success as part of our prayers every night. That's part of our prayer is praying because praying also helps the energy of praying. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't have people come in to fail. Like that to me, I don't want to fail my clients to fail. We care because they're putting their trust in us that we are going to do our best. Now we can't do everything for them because people, you know, ultimately have to take action, you know, however, <laughs> we do do what we can. Sometimes it's borderline enabling. I won't lie. <laughs> borderline enabling just to get them over the edge and then we're done. Really? You know, it's like, give them a little, little push and then, okay. Well, you got this. <laughs> <None of> that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, John, I, I've really loved our conversation and I, I just know that our audience is going to be able to take away so much from this. Um, where, so tell me a little bit about like, what is the mission you would want people to know that you're on right now and where can they, you know, learn more about you and uh yeah i anything that you could share about that would be amazing sure sure my my mission is to help a million coaches or business people okay and it might not be all coaches when i'm done with it but that would be a little drop in the ocean right because there's so many coaches consultants service providers businesses that are struggling and they get up in the morning and they don't love their lives and that it's painful they hate their businesses it's affecting their personal life. If we could help a million people, that would be amazing. I got goosebumps. That would be amazing. Um, now, where to find us? My name, all over. Jeanne Malore on Instagram. Jeanne Malore on Facebook. Jeanne Malore on LinkedIn. Um, also, you're going to put my reviews page there, I hope, so that you can see the lovely reviews. That would be good in the show notes. Yeah, they can just see all those, and you can also book a call there. But love people. I love people reaching out and saying, hey, I, you know, I like this or like that. Um, but yeah, Wonderful. it's all over. Wonderful. Well, 
thank you for hopping on the gym series. This has been great. Um, you know, I, I, I really appreciated getting to learn a little bit more about you and, uh, thank you everybody for, you know, tuning in and just remember to subscribe. I really can't do this stuff without you guys. I, uh, I haven't shared this yet, but I have some big things in the works. I'm rolling out some courses at no cost that covers several of the insights that we've been learning about on the gym series. I, uh, had the pleasure of so many um, amazing conversations like the one I had here today. Uh, just shoot me an email if you want to learn more about it. Uh, my email is blakec at rocketlevel.com. And as usual, have a beautiful day. And this has been the Gym Series. Thanks, John. <laughs> Welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Gym Series, where we're always here to share the goals, execution, and mindset of thought leaders around the world. If you're listening to this, I'm sure that you have some pretty big goals for yourself and I would absolutely love to hear them. Actually, here at Rocket Level, we just launched our newest partnership program where the goal is to, uh, well, build a relationship with you guys. I want to talk with all of you coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. This program is going to be providing free sales and marketing training, giving you access to a massive network of small businesses, and even paying you to allow us to handle the fulfillment side of things. Over the last 20 years, uh, we've been able to learn a lot about how to handle digital marketing for a you know small business. And frankly, we want to pass that along. After working with business coaches and consultants all over the world, we decided let's make it formal. Let's make this thing happen. So if you're at all curious, check out the links attached and please reach out directly. I would love to meet you all. Remember, I'm always a email, text, phone call or DM away. Everybody remember to be awesome and do awesome things. A whole lot more coming soon. Take care.